Everyone, welcome to the Crypto Internet Show. This is our weekly series talking about everything stacks and the broader ecosystem, along with building on Bitcoin. And again, today we're going to be speaking about NFTs on Bitcoin. What's happening, where things are in the ecosystems, some of the uh, particular use cases, and so much more uh, as well. But before we get started, since we have a Mintory on here, Mintory. I'm not sure who's running the account, but whoever is running the account, do you want to give a quick shout out and a little call out about the applications that are open right now? Hey, absolutely. Surprise, it's Ileana. Uh, just jumped on. So hi, everyone. A uh, little bit of a background on the Mintery. We are kicking off the cohort on the 5th of September, and we're actually closing the applications at the end of this week. So if you are an artist, if you're creative, if you know anyone in the space or anyone that is curious on uh, getting into the space and understanding what an NFT is all the way through to creating their own, um, yeah, tell them to come and sign up or say hello. It's pretty much a 30-day cohort where you get everything you need from top tier mentors uh, you have great great different sessions that really like take you through the whole process from learning the fundamentals all the way through to minting and we have some great uh, support from gamma hey layer as well and uh, yeah just pretty much get to learn everything and uh, launch yourself awesome thank you i did tease out we were gonna have a surprise special guest so Eliana, thank you for showing up and surprising the community and the audience. Uh, it's a pleasure to have you. And uh, If you could stay, we'd love to have you a part of today's discussion as well. Uh, I'm just going to have you go on mute because I can hear myself in the boy background uh, there as well. But with you, our special guest, we also have Maneeb and Patrick, uh, who most of the communities know. But we are also joined today by the co-founders of Gamma. Uh, Jamil, Nick, uh, quick introductions for those who may not know you. I think there's only a few people, but... Uh, just say a quick hello and a quick introduction. Hey everyone, and thanks Kyle for the for the intro. Yeah, I'm Jamil, the founder of uh, Gamma.io, which is the largest uh, NFT marketplace uh, for Bitcoin NFTs, and uh, super excited to be here. Yeah, and uh, I'm Nick, uh, co-founder of of Gamma, and uh, focus on on the operational side. So trying to make sure that we stay online available and uh and all of your questions are answered if you have any of them so uh always uh always trying to trying to make sure we remain available you both are doing a fantastic job and, and nick we've got plenty of questions for you so glad you're here today uh just for that and uh, to kick everything off i wanted to give a latest up to the market about maybe 10 minutes ago statistic right now in terms of nft volumes for 2022 January 1st to today, July 27th, we've seen $45.35 billion in NFT market volume. That's 200% year-over-year growth, just under $60 billion year to date uh, from this July to last July. Obviously, a lot is continuing to happen in the NFT space, and we're now starting to see that really come to light uh, on the Bitcoin layer as well. And, and Jamil, would love to kick it off with you and just hear kind of your thoughts on the state of non-fungible tokens and how you have seen things evolve, uh, not just since the launch of Gamma 
formally stacks nft for those who may have known the previous brand but just in general uh what you're what you're seeing yeah i think it's definitely been an interesting few months it doesn't feel like uh um it feels like a long time but actually we've seen this space evolve so much in just over a year so for example um over the past uh you know, two, three years, we saw the development of these standards like ERC-721 and SIP-9, which really defined like the the fundamental principles of what a non-fungible token is and defined this concept of a digital asset that you have complete control over, that nobody can take from you, that no company has, uh, has control over. And we saw uh, the development of, you know, platforms like Board Ape Yacht Club, which only just launched last April. You know, it feels like They've been institutionally the top for like decades, but it's it's really also recent. And so it's been incredibly exciting to see the development of these NFTs uh, from basically zero to one. You know, I remember coming into this ecosystem in uh, in September, in about September, launching uh, STX NFT. And there were really only like four or five NFT collections and no place to even see where, you know, which NFTs you owned. Uh, Patrick in the audience, I remember sending NFTs to like the Miami coin wallet account to, 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 you know, start getting the city coin stuff in motion. Uh, so it's, it's now you're starting to see, especially as this bull market winds down, sort of maturing of what NFTs are becoming. So we saw like everybody trying to copy Board Ape Yacht Club or trying to copy those, you know, specific incarnations of NFTs. And now what you're seeing is people taking a step back and seeing them more as fundamental digital assets and starting to explore more use cases and more creative applications beyond just the profile picture projects. That becomes art, like fine art from the Mintery. Uh, it, we see asset-backed stuff. We see DAO-based stuff like Stacker DAOs is building. And I'm super excited to see how the space continues to develop. And, and you're right, Jamil. I mean, this is... You know, we saw the first NFT in 2014. One, uh, we we saw a little bit uh, in 2015, and then it seemed to kind of go very quiet for for some time. And all of a sudden, in 2019, we see tens of millions of sales and volume. But then the introduction of new applications and new use cases in 2020, and then this explosion uh, in the past. 18 to 24 months. And now with the introduction of Stacks, Bitcoin, Lightning, and again, this whole Bitcoin layer that we've continued to talk about here on our spaces, there's so much that's happening so quickly. It's it's shocking uh, how, how fast. Manib, you've seen all of this unfold over the years. I just explained, we've both been talking about this and tracking it since those early years. How are you seeing things as the state of, of NFTs today? Uh, since the early days, yeah, I think uh, I think NFTs are in many ways basically kind of like just getting started, right? Like this was the first cycle where NFTs um, had any sort of you know mainstream uh, attention. Like they were not a thing at all in previous cycles, right? Like the concept was there, like people were talking about these things, but they weren't they weren't actually a thing, like you know. Now NFTs turned out to be almost like the gateway to the mainstream audience. Like if you uh, look at the behavior of um, even some um, hardware wallets, they realized that you know NFTs were making people learn about self-custody. 
they were uh, people were going and buying things like Ledger uh, because they wanted to secure their NFTs. And you know, the hardware uh, wallets started marketing to NFT audiences because that, that it turned out to be like a, such a large art audience. So I think if you if you take a step back, uh, it's a the concept you know almost by definition is bigger than fungible tokens, right? Like the kind of things that are non-fungible and need to be digitally scarce online are just by the definition kind of like larger, right? And and uh, like imagine like, you know, how, how big of a business is uh, software licenses? There's no reason why a software license is not an NFT, right? You want to you wanna charge somebody for, for using some piece of software, you would basically just give that person an NFT an actual license is kind of like a type of an NFT. It's unique. You can use it, you know, different from uh, another license that you've, you've given out. And the list kind of like just goes on and on in terms of like what can be an NFT. This cycle, we were mostly, you know, focused on these like profile pictures and other kind of like fun stuff. I think things might change in terms of the different things that or different categories, which are NFTs moving forward. You know, it could be distribution of like, of songs or videos or new new types of assets and directly i think the movement is all about empowering creators and that's a very you know good cause to be behind and helping enable right and i and i feel like where uh, kind of like bitcoin plays a role is as bitcoin gets established more and more as like hard money uh you know people would want to trade these nfts Against, against against Bitcoin, right? Like you, if you look at trading volumes of say BTC versus a stable coin, I think Bitcoin is the largest, most liquid market. Uh, if you look at, you know, stable coins versus ETH or other things, those markets are also very large. If you look at NFTs, there's right now a huge gap. If you look at the trading volume between NFTs and ETH or NFTs and, and SOL or, or some, some other platform, they're actually quite significant and the trading volume against Bitcoin is like almost non-existent, right? So that's, I look at that as a market opportunity, right? If you take a five to 10 year time horizon uh, and in the long term is Bitcoin is, if Bitcoin is foundational, like it's going to be around and other things, you know, may or may not survive, then, you know, this would be such an obvious idea that obviously these things at some point are going to start trading against Bitcoin. I think what we saw this cycle is you know, Saks is a is a Bitcoin layer. You know, just like Lightning is a Bitcoin layer, or uh, RSK is a Bitcoin layer. These layers could be different, right? Like internally, but at at, at a high level, they're all Bitcoin layers. So what we saw was NFTs on the Saks Bitcoin layer. They felt not like Bitcoin NFTs, right? Like I, I do think there's a difference between someone who who comes to the uh, to the Saks layer and experiences NFTs on the Stacks layer versus the much larger market of people who have Bitcoin or people who know about Bitcoin or people who have BDC in their wallet and they want to do something with NFTs, right? So the, the standards that I think Jamil was talking about, I think they're great, really well done, but they're very specific to the Stacks layer. I think what we, uh, and right now is probably the best time to work on these things, right? Like with the, with the market turned down, everything is calmer, uh, you know, this is the time to kind of like build the right infrastructure for the next wave. Uh, I would love to see more work on uh, NFT standards that basically go uh, cross chain, right? Like between the Saks layer and Bitcoin. 
Like how do we define ownership on, on, on Bitcoin? How do we enable people with Bitcoin wallets? Like new types of wallets, like for example, Trust Machine is, is, is doing something in this area as well, where these wallets understand the stacks layer. So if you do a BTC transaction, can I directly mint a NFT? Uh, can I mint NFTs through Lightning transactions because they're faster? I think those types of things are going to be very, very interesting. So that in the next wave, uh, you know, the normal user would have a user experience that, you know, most people are going to discover crypto still through Bitcoin. Right? So it's like, here, here, download a Bitcoin wallet and purchase your first NFT and play around with it. And it's just going to show up in your wallet. I think that's, that's the type of UX that, that we should be aiming for. Absolutely. We did see a little bit of that cross-chain activity uh, thanks to the Satoshiable team uh, as well as they opened up the ETH to STX or the Ethereum to Stacks bridge uh, to help bridge over Satoshiables from Ethereum over to the Stacks ecosystem. One of the first times we saw that kind of cross-chain NFT action. But I, I think what you're referring to, Manib, correct me if I'm wrong, is an NFT that that can sit on multiple chains, not necessarily come from one a network to another, but actually could live on, on both and not have to have separate identities. Or, or I think uh, the way the SACS there is, especially in the sense that it can read from Bitcoin and there's ongoing work to be able to write back to, to Bitcoin as well. But if you look at the NFT, I think people care about the ownership and the interaction, right? That, like, what do you do with an NFT? Like, one thing is, how do you own it? Right now, people really own it with the STX address. Right? So it's kind of like sitting in your STX wallet and, and controlled by the security of you know that, that software or that Bitcoin layer. And the other thing is, how do you interact with it? If I'm minting something, if I'm transferring something, I'm selling it, uh, what does my interaction look like? And right now it's a STX transaction, right? And what, what I'm talking about is, can we start moving more towards a, a Bitcoin address on the Bitcoin chain actually owns the NFT, right? I mean, some of the NFT data is going to be off-chain anyway, right? Or, or could be in, in the layer uh, because any anything in the SACS layer gets hashed down to Bitcoin anyway, right? So it, can I transfer the ownership of my NFT by just doing a Bitcoin transaction if I want to, right? And maybe some people will find that slow and they might want to interact with the asset using faster transactions on the SACS layer. But because the first part is not possible, it doesn't feel like a Bitcoin NFT, right? And then similarly, I think unlocking Bitcoin capital is a huge thing there. Like for example, if there is a mint happening and your instructions for participating in the mint are, hey, send some Satoshis to this address and you can participate in the mint. I think the market for people who have some sort of a Bitcoin wallet and who are able to basically be like, you know, I'm gonna send like some small amount of Satoshis uh, to be able to participate in the mint is much, much larger than the market for people who, let's say, have a have some STX in their wallet, right? So I think for multiple reasons, you actually want to enable like a more seamless ownership defined by Bitcoin easily using BTC capital to pour into NFTs and basically this trading pair, right? Like just like, I, I think one of the areas, this is a little bit separate, but one of the big areas for developers to come in is to enable uh, decentralized BTC against, uh, you know, stablecoin trading. Like if you look at Uniswap, they now have the deepest liquidity pool for ETH stablecoin trading pairs. So they're, they're actually now beating, you know, Binance or, or, or Coinbase and other major 
centralized exchanges. So that's a huge area. And again, one of those things where somebody's going to do it, right? Like it's, it's almost like impossible to imagine that Bitcoin continues to grow and there isn't a decentralized way to do a BTC to stablecoin swap, right, directly. So I think I look at NFTs as, as one of those fundamental things that if you fast forward like five years from now, like it's very hard to imagine that there's not going to be a marketplace where there's tons of trading volume with BTC and NFTs, right? So who's going to enable that and how 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 exactly are you going to enable it uh, in a way that it really feels very native to Bitcoin? Like that's 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 the thing, and I know like really talented people like like the Gamma team here and other folks are 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 working on similar stuff. Yeah, I was I was going to say uh, that it's probably going to be Gamma. If I look five years into in the future in my crystal ball, it's going to be Gamma uh, as well. But uh, Jamil, Nick, a- anything else to add to that? And we'd love to get your guys' thoughts of you know what role are you seeing the Bitcoin layers play in the future of NFTs? I mean, you you are one of the leading marketplaces. One has been around since uh, you know Mainnet has launched on Stacks. You're seeing a ton of trading volume. A lot of collections are launching on you. What are you seeing as in terms of future utility? For well, I think the 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 main thing is, I think one thing, and we've talked a lot about this internally, you know, with Nick, is we're strong believers in the uh, in the settlement layer and the security of Bitcoin, right? We we've seen it uh, play out time and time again that this is the chain with the strongest security guarantees, the most decentralization. Other chains have made a ton of progress, right? And uh, as Muni mentioned, uh, Uniswap on Ethereum, the the DEXs, the yield farming uh, through NFTs, and and all of the progress that's that's been made on these other chains. But a lot of them simply don't have the same security guarantees, the same decentralization, and the same bedrock founding principles that Bitcoin does. So the reason that we're doing what we're the reason that we're doing uh, what we're doing is to start bringing some of these incredible uh, advancements that have been made on other chains and simply start building on this foundational bedrock and start building these layers on top. So Stacks is programmability for Bitcoin, and we're building another layer, the, the foundational layer for NFTs uh, on Bitcoin, and we hope that other people will start building on top of that, just as we see creators do, uh, do so, creators launching on our platform. So I think you'll also start to see as we start to build this out as more of a protocol level thing, as more of like a fundamental uh, layer of digital asset ownership on Bitcoin, you'll see a much wider variety of use cases. In some ways, I think a lot of the collections and a lot of the the outcomes that you've seen on Ethereum NFTs have sort of been shaped by Ethereum's culture. So you've seen a lot of profile picture projects, a lot of, you know, speculative assets. And what I'm excited about sort of seeing some of the Bitcoin culture start to play through in decentralized asset ownership. I think Bitcoiners have a different different view and different perspective on the way that uh, that that uh, assets will develop. I'm hoping we'll see more asset backed stuff. We'll see more uh, more governance based use cases, more long term vision for NFTs, and I'm I'm really excited to see the ways that we can start to explore as we bring some of those ideas from other ecosystems and start building it on this most secure settlement layer. Yeah, I mean, I, I would I would just kind of add on to that a little bit to say, like, uh, it, it, it kind of um, almost makes you think about how 
since we don't know what utility will come and we don't know what use cases will come about, I, I think that's actually all the more reason to be wanting to choose this most secure, most decentralized, most trusted, most time-tested, I could go on and on, um, settlement layer for this information. If, if we believe, uh, and, I, and I think you know, most of us believe that Bitcoin is the best at settling that state, that record of what has happened, um, you know, you, you're, you just would be making a mistake to choose any other layer uh, to you know, to to settle that information. And I think that's what actually is is kind of a, a beautiful thing about how we don't know where the future of this is going, but if the deed to my house is potentially going to be secured, cured by by some settlement layer, uh, I, I'd like it to be Bitcoin. <laughs> yeah, let me let me add a little bit there as well. Like, uh, I feel like if you when I look look at the Bitcoin uh, base chain, like I basically you know, think about two things. Uh, the first thing I feel like more people are beginning to realize that, and that is Bitcoin uh, as hard money or, you know, the 21 million cap BTC, the asset, right? I think more people are beginning to realize uh, like how important it is. Like just today, right? You know, some more inflation number numbers came up and Bitcoin actually, actually started going up, right? Like uh, this narrative is like very, very strong that inflation is very real. People are feeling the pain. And Bitcoin is different, right? Like no one can just create Bitcoin out of, out of thin air. So that's BTCD asset. So as that asset class, like at, uh, at I think at the height of the market, um, we saw Bitcoin at like maybe 1.3 or 1.4 trillion. You know, next cycle, this might be, you know, I'm not making predictions, but, you know, rough guess is three to five trillion or something like that. Like imagine programmable money that's just sitting there and is going to trade against other assets. It is going to, be used by developers is going to be used in applications and so on, right? So that's that's one part. I think the second part, which Jamil was talking about, which I don't think gets a lot of attention, at least right now, is Bitcoin, the settlement layer, right? So the BTC, the asset, gets secured by Bitcoin, the settlement layer. And, you know, the analogy would be, you know, something like Fedwire. So all of the, the banking infrastructure actually uses this really old technology fed wire to settle between each other, right? Uh, and they, they mostly do that for, for financial things like, you know, money. But imagine a set global settlement layer for the entire planet, right? Nick was talking about if we want to put, you know, our, uh, your house, you know, mortgage or any documents or, any, or even like an NFT, like I purchased it, I want to put it in a safe place. So that's the use of Bitcoin as a settlement layer. And I think that thing is much, much underappreciated. I think the best example for that, which would speak to a lot of Bitcoiners, is actually the Lightning Network. Lightning Network really uses Bitcoin as a settlement layer. When, when you close the channel, you're actually coming back and, and using Bitcoin as, as a settlement layer. Right. And, and I think a lot of Bitcoin folks will get that. They're like, oh yeah, I love Lightning. And yeah, it makes sense because it's a Bitcoin layer. And it is using Bitcoin as a settlement. So when, when Jamil is talking about, you know, NFTs could do the same thing, right? Like you don't have to store all of the NFT data on the Bitcoin main chain, but you have to settle the ownership information and the transfers that happen between NFTs on the main chain and really use it, use it as, a, as a settlement there. 
and, yeah, and Jamil. I think actually oh, one uh, one thing to add here. Uh, sorry, Kyle. Um, it, you mentioned kind of not not storing all of the NFT data on Bitcoin, and this is actually something that the NFT community has has already recognized, and it's why we have things like IPFS. It's like you're not going to store all of this image data, all of this other metadata for this NFT on the settlement layer. You're going to store, uh, you know, just the the you're going to point to that uh, in a way that's still decentralized, in a way that still can't, uh, you know, be modified. It's still immutable. Um, but you can settle the most basic information that is crucial to uh, identifying that that it had happened or, or it does exist in that way. And and that kind of can, can go in layers. So just as you would store your NFT metadata on IPFS, and that gets, you know, uh, the IPFS root gets referenced in an NFT smart contract. You can then have that NFT smart contract as one of many other transactions that gets settled uh, as a, a single Merkle root onto a Bitcoin block. And, you know, it, it also allows for additional scalability and additional speed and throughput. Uh, so there's there's lots of benefits of this outside of just, you know, uh, not having to store everything from a from a cost perspective. Yep, that, that makes a lot of sense. And I think, uh, and these ideas are actually, they have a rich history in, in Bitcoin as well. Like I think Kyle mentioned earlier, the NFT started on Bitcoin, like with, with counterparty. Uh, and even within projects like Lightning and others, people are talking about, can there be protocols like Taro, for example, where uh, you're doing some sort of a settlement on Bitcoin, uh, but you know these assets actually live like with the peers. Like it's a, it's, a, it's a different architecture. So folks who are not familiar, I think the main difference between kind of like the Lightning layer and the Stacks layer is really the global ledger, right? Like Lightning is more peer-to-peer, -peer. there's no ledger. Uh, and that's why there's kind of like you know no no no, no uh, token needed to secure the ledger, and when you close the channel, all of the information for the channel kind of like disappears, right? Uh, whereas the stacks layer has a ledger, so if you're building something like you know uh, OpenSea or or uh, Gamma, you want a marketplace, right? Like you want some global information that everyone has. That you know if you if you want to check what are all the active listings or an NFT that I want to purchase, it's a query on the global ledger. Like, because anyone can list their item, they can just send a transaction and be like, hey, uh, I'm recording on the ledger that this NFT is for sale, right? Uh, so that, it just makes life really easy for, for developers and for users because you, you, can, you, can, you can effectively build marketplaces and you can easily transact between each other and so on, right? So, but the, but the base concept of like how, you know, something like, Taro would actually eventually settle the ownership in Bitcoin is very similar to how Stacks NFTs actually actually settle on Bitcoin as well. Right? So they're very kind of like in a way complementary and, and, and similar designs. Go ahead, Jamil. I think you had an additional comment to add on that. Sure. It's actually one kind of subtle point that I think is is kind of interesting that Munib uh, reminded me of, which is actually that I think the way we've developed marketplace protocols on Stacks is actually quite principled in this way. Not a lot of people know this, but when you list an item on OpenSea, you're actually signing an off-chain message and you can't build your marketplace state just from on-chain data. So you actually require use of proprietary APIs when you list on LooksRare or OpenSea in order to build up marketplace state. 
and the way we've done this on on stacks for bitcoin nfts is in a very different way and in fact uh you know we show listings from competitor marketplaces competitor marketplaces can show listings uh from us and i think it sort of speaks to the way that we build things for decentralization even if it isn't in our best interest to you know to I think in the long term, it is in our best interest to remain open. And that's that's sort of what I enjoy about this community is we do things in a in a quite principled, decentralized way. And we try to build things for the benefit of the entire ecosystem uh, and in a way that adheres to our principles of decentralization. Um, you know, it's it's not always uh, the easy thing to do, but it's it's definitely something we feel quite strongly about. That's, 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 that's a great point, Jamil. And I think it's basically... You know, as he's mentioning that um, it's built in a more open way, so anyone can list, people can audit, independently audit, and and, and competitive uh, marketplaces can emerge as well. So it's healthy for kind of like you know competition, uh, which is which is good good for end users. And I think it also avoids a bunch of like security issues, like because the OpenSea uh, code is actually you know not really viewable; it's compiled, like nobody really knows what the code really is. Uh, that there are more types of kind of like security attack vectors as well. In fact, I think Jamil, I, I once heard him give a very, very, uh, very interesting and informative talk about these security attack vectors, which are a very real thing for NFT people. If you if you if you hang out in the NFT community, you know they were forced to learn about self custody. They were forced to learn about uh, phishing attacks and all sorts of things because a lot of these things happen. People lost money. Uh, uh, like in terms of the NFTs that they have uh, to these attacks. So I feel like it, it, a couple of you know years ago, some of these things were very theoretical when we would when we when we started work on the clarity language and the reason why you know we, we were picking a decidable language, which is basically think of that as a safe language, uh, or or making sure that the code is always going to be open. These things felt like theoretical discussions at that time, right? And people were like, yeah, yeah, one is one is theoretically better, the other is like this. Now, like the things are becoming very real, right? Like when when those exploits actually happen and people are losing money, like it really matters. Like what design choice you were you were picking and and doing the hard things up front uh, is is actually an advantage. Because one thing that we are noticing is even now in the Ethereum community, uh, there's a language called Viper that is more similar to Clarity, and and Vitalik was uh, tweeting about it. Uh, was was trying to kind of like you know push people that hey maybe maybe we need something like this uh, to have a more safe language. I know that uh, Avalanche does the same thing. Like you know even though their main main chain is EVM compatible and just uses Solidity, but they are uh, introducing decidable uh, VMs as subnets and so on. So in in some ways like I think the infrastructure that we've already developed around Clarity and 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 the Stacks Bitcoin layer, like in, in some ways it's ahead, right? Because this thing is already live already deployed, tested, people are building tools, and we're seeing signs that other people are gonna start coming towards these more safer languages uh, for, for, for smart contracts. And, and with that uh, being said, we've talked a lot about builders and developers. Uh, Nick, Jamil, wanna come to you guys around how you and Gamma have been working with the community, working with potential developers on not just their collections, but also some of the utility that we've seen in the ecosystem of recent. Uh, I mean, we've got uh, gated membership when it comes to DAOs and, and also various services. We're seeing the introduction of commerce 
with Flatlay, uh, which is a Stacks Ventures company. We also are seeing uh, governance. Uh, we talked to the Megapont team and Mark about the recent drop called Steady Labs and how that plays a role in the future governance of the collection as well. Um, how are you and again, Gamma working with developers to introduce you these types of utilities or supporting these and maybe other utilities uh, that we haven't yet seen that you guys would like to share with us? Well, I think one of the great things about building um, building on a, a blockchain is essentially once someone launches their NFT collection, as soon as they deploy that smart contract, it's out of our control, right? We can't edit it, we can't delete it, uh, and they have complete ownership of it. And not only that, but other companies, other other blockchain applications, other smart contracts can read that state and then choose to do whatever they want on top of it. And so what we're trying to do is basically start to build up this first foundational layer of NFTs and then work with our partners and work with people who want to start building those utility layers on top of it and help enable that. So Flatlay is a great example, right? They're doing amazing work with token-gated access to merch and other things like that. And if someone deploys is a collection, you know, on Gamma, they can start using Flatlay, you know, straight away. Like w- once they've done that, they once Flatlay has that uh, built out in a general way, they can just go and use those collections and onboard to them really easily. And so, what we're trying to focus on now is partnering with those organizations like Flatlay, like Stacker DAOs, like like others that are building these layers on top of NFTs and make sure that everything's compatible, that everything works in a seamless way. And also then onboarding our creators to those tools. Because right now, I think a lot of uh, creator tools in other ecosystems are very focused on profile picture style collections. So you upload images and then you just go, right? Uh, and ours is, is, is a little bit similar to that. But one thing we're focusing on very deeply is the onboarding experience to all of these other tools, right? These other tools that help you do so much more with your NFTs, whether it's setting up a DAO, setting up a merch store, setting up gated access, that should all be easily done within the creation flow. And so that's what we're working on now is helping to onboard different use cases for NFTs, making sure people have access to the tools, making sure that people know that they can use NFTs for all of these different use cases. Um, And I'm really excited about that. Awesome. And I think speaking of use cases, like one use case that I've seen a bunch is uh, obviously in gaming. Uh, uh, gaming companies are using NFTs in all sorts of ways, and these are, you know, sometimes called like high volume NFTs. Like if you want to launch a very, very large uh, collection in a game, and and so on. And, and that type of use cases are not possible uh, on the stacks layer right now, just because of the network capacity and and, and so on. So I think the the work that has been going on on hyperchains. Uh, and these faster execution layers with much larger network capacity uh, would, would unlock that. So I think in the next, you know, roughly a uh, couple of quarters or so, the much higher speed, higher capacity type of use cases can be unlocked. And I'm, I'm kind of really, really excited about that. And could we see something with stacking as well? become more of a relevant utility, uh, maybe a future DeFi 
application within the Bitcoin layers and again, stacking applied to NFTs. I, I know we've seen a little bit of talk about this uh, in a few trials, but uh, Nick, Manib, Jamil, have you seen more of this or is this something that you think might be an upcoming trend in the next um, maybe couple quarters as we head into the new year of 2023 that we'll start to see stacking of NFTs start to take as a, as a new utility? Uh, I can I can comment. I think I've seen kind of like those earlier, uh, you know, boom boxes and, and things like that. But this idea of like, hey, could could I actually use my NFT uh, to earn some sort of yield on it? I think I think it's it's a it's an interesting idea, and people are might experiment more with it. I haven't seen any concrete stuff the last couple of quarters, but I might be wrong, and there there, there might be folks doing interesting things there. Yeah, I think anything that helps encourage, uh, you know, and and educate people about the consensus mechanism, the way stacks works can be uh, hugely beneficial, you know, that it just, I guess, shows the wide variety of use cases that you can you can use uh, NFTs for. So, um, yeah, I'm just excited to see the uh, scope of exploration that people have. And and we're happy to help enable uh, some of those use cases if anybody in the audience has any has any other ideas too. I, I yeah, see a handful of questions out there. Real quick, Nick, I see a handful of questions out there as well. So, uh, guys, we're coming up to a time where we'll, we'll start taking questions. So do ready those and, uh, requests to come up on stage, and we'll take a, a handful as we're able to. Sorry, go ahead, Nick. Yeah, no, no, uh, I, I don't want to. I don't want to hold back from the questions. I was just going to mention that I, I think one of the one of the cool ways, especially as we mentioned these utility based uh, NFTs like DAO based NFTs and things. I think that's actually uh, without even. Uh, any further technological advancement. Uh, some projects, like I know Stacks Parrots, for example, which uh, our, our lovely uh, head of community growth, Brett, uh, Eli Herf, is, is uh, heads up. Um, that's a, it's a great community uh, you know, community NFT, just really about the art and, and, you know, sharing that, that community together. But, um, the, 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 uh, stacks that they collected, uh, they actually voted as a community to stack that stacks. Uh, and so their DAO will actually uh, increase in value simply from just, you know, they were holding that stacks anyway for future development, building out things like virtual galleries and, and whatnot. Um, but now they can actually increase the value of their uh, almost endowment uh, by uh, by just, you know, stacking that. So I think that that's one way that, that you know, projects can even uh, start to do something like that uh, today. And, and Patrick, I want to come to you around uh, exploring different utilities around NFTs. We, we haven't yet had a chance to talk about how the CityCoins community is looking at NFTs and maybe even how that's being looked at on a civic or a governmental level. Love to hear your thoughts on behalf of the community as to how NFTs on the Bitcoin layers and around the CityCoins protocol uh, really could be playing a role in the future here as, as we start to look at these exploratory use cases that are up and coming. Yeah, of course. I think our community is looking very closely at um, basically uh, Bitcoin as a source of capital and Bitcoin DAOs. Um, and the NFT uh, model that we uh, the NFT model that some of the folks in our community uh, really like and we're, we're looking further into is um, basically like a daily 
uh, auction model where the winner of the auction gets uh, one NFT and that NFT has one vote in governance um, along with any other NFT that's want, that has won an auction previously. So um, that, that means that that person could, that, that NFT could uh, submit a proposal that proposal can be voted on with like maybe a 10% quorum or something like that. So that, that, that's been very interesting to us. And um, I think we're coming around to this idea that uh, NFTs may be better governance tokens than, than, um, than fungible tokens. Um, so that's just like something we're looking into. And I think I probably said this on previous Twitter spaces, but I'm really sort of blown away by um, projects like Nouns. They have like a very, very uh, sort of like tight focused uh, NFT project. Um, and it's like worth looking at. And I think we can take some lessons from from projects like that um, to basically, uh, uh, you know, do your NFT project if, if, if someone in the crowd wants to uh, do something like that. And before we get to questions, again, if everyone has a question, do raise your hand, request to get on stage, and we'll come around for, for a handful. Jamil and Nick, I have a question for you actually around minting. And if you've seen much evolve around the minting process, I've noticed uh, more of utility-driven based NFTs like membership, for instance, uh, that their minting process are actually being drawn out over years rather than one instance at a time. Is is this something that you and the Gamma team are seeing more of or talking more with developers about? Or is there something else that's maybe changing around how future collections are being minted? I think there's this uh, status quo pattern, and I mentioned this before of like the profile picture style collection or board ap club style thing where you have some certain premises right that your floor price always has to go up that the value is from the scarcity of the nfts and those alone and so if you don't have a fast mint out or you don't see a floor price increase or something like that then you know your project is a failure and what we're starting to see is now people are starting to question those those premises and those those assumptions and start to explore different options. Like Patrick mentioned nouns now. That's one that, that uses a different model of uh, of daily auctions where um, where you know it never ends, right? There's an infinite supply. The the supply is the amount of time that exists on <laughs> in the future, right? So uh, what we're seeing is sort of a questioning of these premises and trying new things. And we suddenly see that on stacks too. For example, our auctions have taken off considerably since, uh, since the, the bear market started and people are actually bidding higher on those auctions like uh, Dr. Suss's saints or uh, Nicole, who's in this audience um, uh, has done incredibly well. And then we, we also see others like NFTs for peace, which another audience member, Anibal, uh, has done, which, uh, which uh, you know donates to a good cause as well. So we're starting to see much more of these being uh, being explored, and um, I think we've we've only started to see some of the patterns as well. And I think as a marketplace, we have a hand in that as well because we're you know OpenSea or whatever they show the floor price very prominently or the supply or the trading volume. 
that's not how we think of most things. We don't think of software licenses like that. Uh, we don't think of, you know, uh, uh, many things in life like that. And I think you'll start to see a wider variety of factors considered when thinking about what makes a project successful or what, what an NFT project actually is. I'd love to shout out the Mintory here as well, because the Mintory is really sourcing lots of really interesting projects, and we're happy to be working with uh, with them as well as as a technical partner to help bring some of those ideas that these creators have to life. So shout out, and uh, and if there are other creators in the audience, reminder that uh, what is it? One more week to uh, to submit your projects to the Mintory. Yep, big big plus one to Jamil, and I think before we jump jump into questions, I just wanted to like throw one thing out there that I, I think I mentioned earlier that you know I'm personally very excited about uh, the tighter connection between Bitcoin and you know Bitcoin stacks there, uh, and the minting happening through Bitcoin. Like effectively, I think the challenge that I would throw out to developers out there is, you know, if if there is a uh, NFT. Uh, campaign happening to raise capital uh, to free Ross, right? Which is like a well-known Bitcoin figure and a lot of Bitcoiners care about it. And you you discover that the state of the dev tools around Bitcoin is not kind of like, you know, cannot currently support a good mint. And people end up going to other blockchains like, like Ethereum uh, or others to support a very Bitcoin native type of a mint, that is actually like almost like a failure, like a collective failure of the Bitcoin ecosystem. Right. And I think that's that's the challenge I would like to throw out to developers that we should be in a place where if a bunch of like Bitcoin folks are coming together and they have a cause that they care about and they want to do an NFT mint for it, like it should be super easy to mobilize Bitcoin capital and 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 just be able to do it. Right. And I, I feel like uh, months or years down the road, like someone's going to do it. Like it's one of those things that is absolutely going to happen at some point. And it's just that right now there's a market opportunity for developers to come in and actually fill that gap. I love it. A huge call out to all the developers that are listening uh, today, as Maneeb said. So if, if you're working on it, if you want to take it up as a challenge, you've got the quorum here on stage and many others in the ecosystem that would love to talk to you and also support you. Uh, in these efforts as well. So don't hesitate to reach out and DM any of us and we'll we'll help you uh, uh, get connected across. Jamil and Nick, a uh, question for you guys. Uh, you've got some new collections up recently this week and early last week. Uh, maybe share some quick thoughts on some of the new collections or any of those that you're seeing come up on board just to give some of the designers a quick shout out uh, who may be out there. Sure, Nick, you can go ahead on this one. Yeah, no, no worries. Um, yeah, I think there's been some some really great projects launching lately. Um, there are, uh, you know, if you if you head on over to the to the auctions page we have, um, uh, which is you can you can get to from our navigation. There's a lot of artists lately that are releasing, you know, one of one works, as Jamil mentioned, uh, a couple of which are, are in the audience today, like um, Nicole had just released a collection and, and, uh, you know, she, she actually is working with a, uh, a magazine to have a, a weekly comic released uh, that has to do with Bitcoin education. So and crypto education. So I think that's, you know, that's another really cool uh, piece that that gets, 
gets auctioned off uh, one of one each uh, each week. Uh, and lots of other artists um, from other ecosystems like Tezos and, and Ethereum uh, who, you know, have large existing communities who follow their art and, and follow their, uh, you know, their, their storytelling through their art. And, uh, and they're also launching works. One of which uh, I, I love to call out is, is Grim. Uh, Grim, you know, she actually uh, uses her art to uh, really make like uh, some pretty bold political statements, uh, you know, against uh, certain certain government, uh, you know, activities and whatnot. And I think it's just really cool that people use their art to uh, to communicate all of these different things. So, so many that I would love to call out. There are there are dozens, but I'd say just go take a peek and uh, and and see if anything resonates with you. Awesome. Thank you very much, uh, Nick, for that as well. Nick, Jamil, Patrick, Maneeb, thank you all for the time today. And thank you to the community and everyone in the audience for joining. A shout out to all of the designers, those who may not have been mentioned as well, for all the hard work and all the contribution that you give to this ecosystem and many others as well. Same with the developers out there. Again, a shout out to the Mentory second cohort applications are open and close at the end of this month, July 31st. So make sure you get that in to join that awesome launchpad and acceleration program as well. Uh, with that being said, thank you again, everyone, for tuning into this week's crypto internet show. If you would like to tune in live, ask questions, or join future conversations, be sure to follow Stacks on Twitter and tune in every week on Wednesdays at 5 p.m. Eastern. Until next time, I'm your host, Kyle Ellicott. Everyone take care, have a good day, good evening, and good week. Take care, everybody.